السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.
Alhamdulillah, alladhi nahmaduhu wa nasta'iluhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa nubinu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udu billahi min shururi al-fusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina Man yahdihillahu falamudillalah wa man yudlil alahadiyalah wa nashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa nashadu an la muhammad al-abdullahi wa rasuluh asalahu Allah ta'ala bin huda wa din al-haq liyuhirahu ala dini kullihi wa kafa billahi shahida وصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار فالله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إنهم إن يظهروا عليكم يرجموكم أو يعيدوكم في ملتهم ولن تفلحوا إذا أبدا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي واللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا اله الا الله واللهم اجعلنا من الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر امين يا رب العالمين My intention originally was to continue the series of khutbas I was giving uh, I titled them Let them get married and I was going to talk in this third part about what Allah says about men that are ready or supposed to get married and the guidance he gives in light of surah al-qasas through the story of Musa but I've decided to postpone that uh, because of the overwhelming and troubling news that everybody's been watching uh, that's coming out of India, among other places. And this kind of violence that has broken out against Muslim communities is not just isolated to India. The kinds of things that are happening to the Uyghur Muslims in China is well known, even though some people are in denial about it. Uh, there, are, there are the kinds of atrocities that happen to the Sri Lankan Muslims are not a mystery to those who follow up on what's, what's been going on there and erupts every now and again. So this is not an unheard of phenomenon. And if this conversation was happening 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe we wouldn't be talking about one place or the other. We'd be talking about Bosnia, we'd be talking about Kosovo, we'd be talking about some other place where these kinds of horrific acts against civilian populations have taken place. Um, and I wanted to you know, take a step back and really try to understand how is it that we as Muslims can think about this reality that takes place, this uns you know, unthinkable kind of tragedy that keeps on occurring one time after another after another. And of course, when we're going through such a tra tragedy, the call is we should condemn this or we should say something about it or we should speak out against it. But if you just think for a moment, if we speak out against it, and we should, is that all? Is that all we're supposed to do? Because once you speak out against it, and somebody writes to me sometimes on social media or whatever, I'm giving a dars of Quran, brother, say something about India, or say something about Kashmir, or say something about the leader. Okay, once I say it, then what? Do you feel better? We're, and, and, and we've turned this, the social media itself and public conversation itself into a means by which we blow some hot air, we say some stuff, and then nothing changes. Our, our mentality doesn't change, our approach doesn't change. Yeah, it doesn't change our... What we need for each other is reminder, actually. What we, and one of the most important features of our religion is that we spend our lives giving each other counsel to the truth. Right? And we don't give each other false, you know, uh, you know, false comforts, real comforts. If you can physically do something about it to help to, you know, to stop an evil, you do it. If you can support financially, you support financially. If you can raise your voice, at the very least, you raise your voice. All of that's true. 
but I wanted to take even a further step back and help us understand something that we don't just spike every time an incident take, takes place. We, take, we took, take a larger look at history and seek some guidance from Allah as to why this stuff happens anyway. And why is it happening to Muslims? Why particularly to Muslims this kind of tragedy keeps on occurring in different parts of the world every few years? Something like this is happening. And so what I wanted to share with you is something that I have been thinking about for a long time that belongs to Surat Al-Kahf. And Surat Al-Kahf, of course, the first story in it is the story of these young men who decided to accept their faith. And when they accepted their faith, they became different from everybody around them. Now you have to understand, they're, they're from the same race. They speak the same language as their culture. Their families know all the other families that are non-Muslim. They're the only Muslims there, but their food and their culture and their clothing and their language and their nation, all of it's the same. They're exactly the same. But the only thing that makes them different is now that they don't believe in different gods, they only believe in one God. They're Muslim, that's it. That's the only thing that sets them apart. Now, that's the case in many parts of the world. You have people that belong to the same country. They're racially practically the same. Their language is the same, but they're different religions. And some of them are Muslim. And in some cases, they're a Muslim minority. But in practically many other things, they have a lot in common. They're sharing the same society. They're living the same life. That's also true of a Muslim community living in the United States, or Canada, or Australia, or somewhere else. We may be ethnically different in some cases, but in, in much else, we belong to the society just like everybody else does. And one thing that's setting us apart is our Islam. When they were hiding in the cave, they said something to each other that Allah deemed important enough that He should you know, place it in the Qur'an so we could always listen to it and hear it every Friday. And it's remarkable that the Prophet told us that this surah is something that will protect us from great fitna. And we have to go back to it in times of great fitna over and over again. And every Friday it's a sunnah of the Prophet to recite this surah. So what we learn in this surah has a lot to do with the ummah going through fitna. So every part of it deserves special attention. So what they say to each other, what I read to you, is إِنَّهُمْ إِنْ عَلَيْكُمْ Those people for sure, if they overpower you, if they come over you, if they become dominant authorities over you, they will stone you to death. So if you go back, you're, you, you're from them, you're their citizen. You're a citizen of that country. You are just like everyone else. You even look like them. But if you go back to them because the only thing different now is not because you've done some crime or because you've stolen something, because you believe in one God. Because of that, when you go back, they, if they overpower you, if they overrun you, they will stone you to death. Or the other, only other option is, or they will assimilate you back into their own religion. They, will they make you go back into their own religion. The thing that makes you unacceptable, worthy of hate, is that you're Muslim. That's what makes you worthy of hate, that you have some shred of Islam left. If you have any bit of Islam, by the way, these people, these young men, the only thing we know about them is they decided not to worship multiple gods. They know nothing about halal and haram food. They know nothing about dressing differently. They know nothing about their family life should become different. They, know, they have no other regulations or laws. All they know is they're not going to worship multiple gods. They will only worship one god. That's it. From what we can tell of the historical account, they don't even have access to the Bible or the Torah. They have no access to prophets. 
They've just come to the conclusion that only one God should be worshipped. And that is dangerous enough for some people to hate them so much that they are ready to kill them. Kill them if they could. That is not a new reality in some societies in the world. That has always been there. That's always been there. People who truly believe in Allah don't fit. They've never fit. You can, you can try to fit. You can dress like everybody else. You can talk like everybody else. But there's always going to be an element in your society, in every society in the world, that is going to absolutely despise you because you're Muslim. They're going to hate you because you believe in Allah. There's nothing you can do about it. You can try to convince them that you're not all that bad. You can try to you know, dispel their misconceptions and try to hold programs where you try to tell them, no, 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 we're not, we're not crazy. No, we don't hate women. No, 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 we don't want to blow everything up. No, we're, we're cool. And we're the scary looking thing on purpose. It's not because it's more religious. Because I'm making a point. Because these cultures are scared, these people are terrifying, they're scary. They're going to destroy you. And what happened in the Prophet's time, وسلم, what danger did the Prophet pose to the Quraysh? He's from Quraysh. He's from them. He's from that nation. And if you know one thing about Quraysh, they had respect in all of, all of the region because whoever comes to that region is safe. And if you know one more thing about the Quraysh and the tribal life of Arabia, the only people you're ever going to be loyal to is your own tribe. So there's two things. Mecca and Quraysh are special because they make sure that everything remains peaceful inside Mecca. And second, you never hurt the people of your own tribe. You can go to war against some other tribe, but your own, you solve problems. You don't fight your own people. They're willing to bend their own rules, break their own rules, just because the Prophet is calling for one God. So the idea... You know, what happens when we go to a society, it's natural, human beings, we're social, right? So we want to fit in with everybody. We want to be like everybody. We don't want to be the weird people. We don't want to stick out. So a lot of times we start compromising what we look like, what we talk like, who we're friends with, so that we feel like we're more blended in with the rest of society. We're not sore thumbs, we're not that weird. And we think, well, now that I don't call myself Muhammad anymore, I call myself Mo, you know? Or I don't call myself Islam, I call myself Sam, you know? Or I don't, I don't call myself Norman, Norman, call me Norman, you know? Like I, let's, let's not, you know, I, I don't say Salam anymore, I say, hey, what's up? You know, I, and I change everything about myself, maybe I'll fit better, because then they'll think I'm, you know, maybe I'll think, they'll think I'm a real Canadian, or a real American, or a real Australian, or I'm a real, I'm a true Indian, or I'm a true this, or true that, or true the other. Because I'm going to be like them. This is also a delusion. How, no matter how much you pretend, no matter how much you pretend, there are forces in the world that will always be there. And even if they see one trace of Islam in you, well, you still have a Muslim name. Well, you still identify yourself as a Muslim even if you just pray on Fridays, that's enough for me to hate you. Some of you know, some of you work in offices and you go to schools where you, you, you've experienced this. There are people, you, don't, you might not even be that religious, but the fact that you're Muslim is enough that people look at you funny. And there's, some people just have that in them. It's not just the media. It's not just propaganda against Islam. There is a mindset that shaitan wants to, to perpetuate, has always wanted to perpetuate, that they, he will make believers, for some people, he will make believers an object of hate. And the pur his purpose in doing that is also clear. Shaitan's purpose is also clear. 
on the one hand inma dhalikum ash-shaytan yukhawifu awliya'ahu fala takhafuhum wa khafuni in kuntum mu'minin that's just the devil trying to scare you of his friends he wants to scare you of his friends stop being afraid of them you and i have to understand and we're we're you know the people that are going through such things whose homes are in danger who can hear rioters outside and they're not sure who's going to break into their door the ones that are trying to protect their children and their daughters and their mothers those people that are not sleeping for a few nights now those people that are afraid that their their homes and their businesses are going to get burnt down those people allah azza wa jalla created them much stronger than you and me because allah does not put a burden on someone that they can't bear the the responsibilities and the difficulties allah put in my life are ones that i can handle and allah gave them much bigger trials because they can handle a lot more and so it's extremely immature and irresponsible for some people to say this must be allah punishing them for some of their sins how dare you how dare you or anyone else say that someone is going through a catastrophe in this life because allah is punishing them because of what they've done you and i have no right to speak on behalf of allah you have no know wa ma kana allah liyutri'akum 'ala al-ghayb Allah will not tell you what's happening in the unseen. Allah didn't tell you I'm doing this because of that. People say these things and this is ignorance. And sometimes it even comes from the mouths of Muslims. Those believers that are being tried and tested in such horrible ways, they this may be their path to jannah. And there are reasons Allah describes that we go through such disasters for ourselves. Li'amiz al-khabith min al-tayyib. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيَطَرَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عَلَى مَا أَنْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ حَتَّى يَمِيزَ الْخَبِيثَ مِنَ الطَّيِّبِ Allah will not leave you like you are until He separates those that are good from those that are filthy. He wants to test how long, how much, sometimes every safety will be taken away from you so you can truly recognize the only safety lies with Allah. Nothing will happen to anyone. No one will die sooner than they're supposed to die. No one will be tortured because Allah didn't want that to happen. No one will suffer any calamity without Allah's permission and every one of those trials that you and I go through that those that we love as our ummah are going through every one of those trials Allah is watching and it's at that point that some people will say where is Allah why isn't he helping where is Allah why isn't he giving any help you know and they'll lose their faith and there are those who will say this is what Allah and his messenger promised this will come this this trial will come this difficulty will come and most world will stand in the face of it the one who dies shaheed you know defending their home who dies doing nothing wrong who's an innocent who's been killed when he comes in front of allah he will ask allah azza wa jalla to send him back so he can get killed again he's he's going to do that so we we on the one hand we make dua for people that are going through such extreme struggles but on the other hand the real reason i wanted to share this khutbah with you today is for us to understand we may be at peace here alhamdulillah allah has given us a peaceful life you don't have to look around every corner who's got a gun out you don't have to do it on your way to the masjid and there are places in the world right now where muslims have to do that they have to think twice about going to the masjid and whether or not they'll come back alive that's a reality for them that's not a reality for you and me but that doesn't mean you and i are any safer that doesn't mean that we're, we're you know that's never going to happen to us don't be delusional You and I should not be delusional. We should know for a fact that these trials will come and can come at any time. They can happen at any time. And the thing is, 
We don't want that to happen and therefore we want to look like or fit in with everybody else. That's not the solution because once you do that, once you leave Allah to try to get protection from people, then you no longer have the protection of Allah. You left Allah's protection because you thought fitting in with everybody else will keep you safe. It won't. They're not going to hate you any less. They're not going to dislike you any less. And now you lost the people, you never had them anyway, and you lost Allah. You lost both. Don't do that to yourself. Don't put yourself in that disastrous position. This is a time where the Ummah really truly has to repent and come back to Allah. We have to support those and we have to stand up against those that are, you know, causing lives, lives of innocence to be lost. Our deen is so powerful, when any innocent is being killed, whether they're Muslim or not, our deen stands against it. When Quran was revealed and Allah gave, for what crime was the baby girl killed? She will ask on Judgment Day. That wasn't talking about a Muslim family. When Allah says, فَذَلِكَ الَّذِي That the one who pushes the orphan, Allah criticizes the people, the one who pushes the orphan around, the orphan being talked about was not from a Muslim family. They were the mushrikeen. Allah was standing for them. People who were cheating in businesses. And Allah criticized those who cheat others in business. Neither the customer nor the business person were Muslim. And Allah stood for those customers that are being cheated. Our deed is a deed that stands up for justice no matter what. And it includes, of course, fellow believers when they're being persecuted. So our du'as are with them. But please, I, and I, 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 I don't tire of saying this. Some people might find this controversial. I, I have to say what I'm convinced of, what I, what I understand. The, the institution of du'a, du'a, is a very powerful weapon Allah gave a believer. If you study the stories in the Qur'an, then when a believer sincerely turns to Allah with their heart, then things change. Things change. And if you study any story of any prophet, the turning points, the major events where things change, is when they made dua. Actually. So dua is not just some words we say. But you know what we've turned dua into? We've turned dua into not a conversation with Allah. We've actually turned dua into a conversation with each other. Brother, please make dua. Wait, what do you mean? I make dua. You, you don't tell each other to make dua. Dua comes from the heart and it's a conversation with Allah, not with each other. Now the idea of dua is post something on Facebook. Now the idea of dua is say something on a microphone. That's dua. That's not dua. Dua is a very personal, intimate conversation between you and Allah. It's always been that way. There are sometimes we make dua to Allah together. That's fine. That's fine. But the reality of dua is actually not words or sounds. The reality of dua is what comes from the heart of a believer and reaches the highest heavens. That's actually what dua is. That's what it's supposed to be. And don't turn it into anything else. And the, the situation will not change. The, the, Allah does not change the situation of an ummah. It's not just, oh, the Indians have to change, or the Kashmiris have to change, or the Uyghurs have to change. Allah speaks to us as an entire ummah. And the reality is pretty scary. It may be that some parts of our ummah is suffering, not because of their own sins, sins but because of our sins. Because we're one body. We're one body. Think of it this way. The Prophet ﷺ described the ummah kajasad, right? Like one, a single body. When one part of it hurts, all of it hurts. When one part of it hurts, all of it hurts. Here you are eating unhealthy food. You're eating unhealthy food. Or you're not taking care of your, you know, your, your diet or whatever. And one part of your body starts developing a disorder. Right? The problem is somewhere else. And the symptoms show up somewhere else. 
So we don't assume that they're going through a trial because they're messed up. Where they may be going, may, Allah, maybe Allah is using that trial to wake the entire ummah up. How long before you know these 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 shakings that Allah sends us before we wake up and say, "Allah inna nusallahi qareem," Allah's help is near. And that we have to turn back, we have to be qualified for Allah. When I say we have to make dua for the ummah, and I want to end with this, really. We, of course we have to make dua for the ummah and those that are suffering. Those that are suffering in our own families. Those that are suffering that we share la ilaha illallah with. This bond of la ilaha illallah, what makes me and you Muslim. This is a stronger tie than blood. This is stronger than blood. It's not just some people that you hear, it's not just some news feed. This is our ummah. This is something someone you have to have love for. You and I have to have love for it. But and the best thing, the best thing you can do for them is du'a. But fine. Let's take one last step. I agree. The best thing we can do for them right now, at the very least, you can do du'a for them. If you can't support in some way, you support in some way. You stand up. You want to, you know, you know, uh, um, contest what's going on. Fine. <coughs> but du'a is only effective when it's acceptable to Allah, isn't it? Dua is not just me making some sounds and crying, it has to be acceptable to Allah. And when you read the Prophet's warning, وسلم, that somebody that travels across the desert, whose clothes are torn, and they're disheveled from the journey, and they're holding on to the walls of the Kaaba, and they're asking Allah for dua that they made. They traveled back, th back then, they didn't take a flight to get to the Kaaba. They traveled, they walked through a desert to get to the Kaaba. You understand? And they get to the Kaaba and they're begging Allah, and Allah tells the Prophet tells us, haram, haram, the one the thing he's drinking is haram, the food he's eating is haram, the clothes he's wearing is haram, the money he makes is haram, basically. He's okay earning from wrong means, he's okay with taking somebody else's inheritance money, he's okay with not paying the loan back and saying, I never borrowed money from you. He's okay with eating somebody else's food, he's okay with lying and che cheating and scamming, but now he's showing up at the Kaaba crying in front of Allah's house and making dua, Anna yustajabu lahu. How is he going to be answered? What good is that dua? So before you and I say, make dua brother, make dua brother, let's make dua together. Are you qualified for dua? Have we, have we left haram? Have we left questionable things that make our duas you know, worthless before Allah? So before you and I, if we, if we really care about the chaos that's happening, and we really care to make dua, then let's care about our dua itself. Let's make the dua right. Because it's, you, it's not just empty words. It's not just emotional prayers that, were, that are felt from the heart. There's conditions that have to be met. Allah says, فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي He says, وَجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّعِي إِذَا فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي I will respond to the call whenever they call me. I'll respond to the dua whenever they make dua. He says, then they should respond to me. That's the same ayah. Then they should respond to me. They should at least try to respond to me. Allah is asking you to leave certain things. Allah is asking you to do certain things in your life. You're very, no, none of you here don't know that. I know that and you know that. It's not complicated. Everybody here knows what we're supposed to do and we're not supposed to do. And we're still doing all that stuff and still, and we have the audacity to ask, how come Allah doesn't answer my du'as? How come the ummah's du'as are not being answered? I mean, we're not even making our part of the deal. We don't get to be hypocritical and say we care about the plight of the ummah. 
if we're not changing ourselves. This is what Allah means when He says, "In Allah, la yughiru wa biqawmin, hatta yughiru ma bi'anfusihim." There's no doubt about it. Allah will not be one to change what is happening to a nation until they change what is happening inside of themselves. He will not change the, the tragedy of the ummah, the catastrophe of the ummah. He will not lift us from it. Doesn't matter where it's happening in the world, we will not lift from it until something deep changes inside of ourselves. Until we turn back to Allah. We have to take, you and I have to take personal responsibility for our share in be, our, our du'as becoming empty. Our share. It's not just, oh, it's Ramadan time, let's raise our hands and cry, and then go back and disobey Allah again. We made so much du'a this year, and the year before, and the year before, and I cried so much. How come it didn't go anywhere? Yeah, it didn't go anywhere because we're not doing it right. Something's missing. Something's deeply, deeply missing. And this is, you know, the, there's the two points I wanted to make to, to you and remind myself of. One, we're never going to make some people happy. Some people are always going to hate us. That's never going to change. The Prophet ﷺ was the nicest human being you could ever meet. They still hated him, right? So it's not that you're not nice. It's not that you're, you're, you're not worthy of being liked. Or you're evil in some way. It didn't matter. It's the fact that you have truth. That you carry some reflection of your messenger That's enough for shayateen and those who listen to the shayateen to hate you. That's enough for them. And that will never go away. And no matter how much you try to present yourself in a different light, those people, there are people that are balanced. There are non-Muslims that are balanced. That are, that are sensible, they can see through it. And there are those that are drowned in hate. They're drowned in the whisper of shaitan. And they are, they are now in the devil's playground. There's nothing you can do about that. Don't bother. Don't bother becoming likable. Be yourself. Don't sell your religion to anybody. It's not worth it. So they knew, if they go back, there's only two things that are going to happen. Either they're going to stone you to death, or they're going to take you back into their own religion. And they said, either way, and, then, and the, the second option, that they will take you back in your own religion, okay, 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 I'm no longer Muslim. If they do that, then you will never be successful. Then you will never be successful. The people who have been killed, the people who have been massacred, they haven't been killed. They're not dead. This is the last thing I share with you. I know I'm over my time. One minute, that's all it'll take. Don't you dare assume about those who were killed in Allah's path that they are dead. Don't you dare even think that. They are dead. But They are alive, being provided for in the company of their master. They are overjoyed at what Allah is giving them from His own favor. And they're congratulating each other about those who haven't even joined them yet. They haven't even joined them yet. Allah is talking about those who've been killed holding on to their Islam. They, they were killed holding on to their Islam. We may be crying for them, they're happy for themselves. They're overjoyed. And they're looking down at those that are still alive and saying, man, they should, they're going to join us soon. <laughs> They've already made it into Jannah. May Allah make us worthy of His Jannah. 
May Allah Azza wa Jalla accept our, our, our shuhada as those that are worthy of no questioning and are being given Allah's forgiveness and grace, the grace of Jannah immediately. May Allah Azza wa Jalla ease the suffering of those that are going through whatever kind of trial, be it political suffering, military suffering, physical suffering, sickness suffering, but in any kind of suffering, may Allah Azza wa Jalla make that suffering a reason for which our faith in Allah increases and doesn't decrease. Because no matter what loss we face, whether it's loss of life or limb or money or whatever else, the one loss we cannot afford is the loss of Iman. Every other loss, everything was going to go anyway. Everything else was going to go anyway. One day you and I are going to be in the ground, none of this stuff will matter. One thing that will matter though, is what we took, where our hearts were. May Allah Azza wa Jalla not compromise the iman of any believer, no matter what trial they go through. And may Allah Azza wa Jalla ease our trials and never put us in a position that we feel we're no longer able to bear the trials that, we're, that He has given us. قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن نقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر فلا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقل الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتاب مقرر. Tomorrow is a very special event here. It's called Story Night. It's actually one of my favorite stories from the Quran that I'm teaching here on our campus. I'd like you to come and I'd like you to bring your non-Muslim friends with you if you can. Inshallah, especially the youth. I really love to see them tomorrow. Six thirty tomorrow. Inshallah.
السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Once again, I'd like to remind you that uh, tomorrow there's a story night event at 6.30. I'd love to see all of you. Bring our Muslim friends if you like. Inshallah, it's something to learn about the, the Quran in a way that's easy for them to process also. Um, additionally, I wanted to tell you that our intention, hopefully, is to complete at least the second and third floor construction before Ramadan starts. So, alhamdulillah, it's been going, it's progressing pretty well. The, the city has approved the construction of the elevator outside. The digging for that has already started. You'll see the post outside of what the budget for it is. I don't do fundraisers here. I'm never going to do one. I'm just letting you know that that's the budget. And those of you that like to contribute can do so on their own. Tickets. Now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah, it's already outside. Yeah, and there's a, there's a play being held by the kids, and the kids' event in the middle of March, there are tickets being sold outside by them, so you can inshallah get the tickets for that event too. Oh, okay. Yeah. You want to turn it on? Bye, internet.